For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? Thank you all for joining me on the latest Morecast, part of the CSG and MHS Network. I am, of course, your host, Jeff Martin. Um, this is going to be a uh, bit of an unusual uh, Morecast. I'm going to be talking about the Colorado Rockies primarily on this one, but I'm going to draw an analogy between the Denver Nuggets of the 90s and the current Colorado Rockies and how we got to this point with the Rockies. Um, you know, Jerry McMorris uh, was the primary owner of the Colorado Rockies from 2000, from 1993 to 2003. Um, but the people who have owned it and primarily the person who's owned it is Dick Monfort. And we're going to be discussing about his adventures with uh, owning this team and how he and his brother Charlie have failed upward in spectacular ways. And somehow that manifested itself in owning a Colorado Rockies team that is currently a, the laughing stock of the, uh, of the major league baseball. The reason I'm drawing a, a, a correlation between the, uh, Colorado Rockies and the Denver Nuggets is that ownership matters. And I think that people, I, I try to tell people that We've seen this. We have seen this in Colorado. We have seen it play out multiple times. How poor ownership situations result in bad play, be it for the Broncos for having basically no owner for 10 years uh, until they were sold to Walmart heirs, and the Denver Nuggets of, you know, particularly the late 90s, but you could say all the 90s having been owned by a uh, an entity that didn't really want to own its professional sports teams. And those things manifested itself in extreme difficulties, um, difficulties that uh, were hard to overcome. The Nuggets were bought in 1989 by uh, the, the group of owners that, I mean, we've talked about it before. This is Peter Bino and Bertram Lee, the first ever African-American owners of a professional sports team in the United States. Um, they didn't have the money to buy the, the deal was canceled several times by Sidney Schlenker, who is uh, uh, selling the team. And they were basically, uh, the, the, the deal was saved by David Stern strong-arming people into particularly um, uh, Comset Video Entertainment Group, 
which was at the time owned by or not owned by, but the 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 CEO of which was Robert Wessler, who was a uh, former TV exec who was a partner of uh, Ted Turner. And uh, the ownership chaos of 1989 to 1992 is a stuff of legend. And I'm hoping one day that Bill Simmons does a podcast series on it or at least tries to do an HBO thing on it because that that is a it's a fascinating story about about missed opportunities but the their primary owner was Comsat Video Entertainment Group and by the time you get to 1995 they divested or excuse me 94 they divested um the sports part of of the teams and into something called Ascent Entertainment Group um, with the initial goal to to diversify into movies, which they eventually did um, by the time 1997 rolls around, which allowed them to both uh, re-sign Joe Sackick for the recently acquired Colorado Rockies and uh, uh, fund the building of Pep, what was then known as Pepsi Center. By the time you get to the late '90s, it was clear that Ascent and the was their and their shareholders had wanted nothing to do with sports. Even with the success of the of the Colorado Avalanche, uh, the NHL never made any money. Even with sellout crowds and all this stuff, the 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 NHL, particularly during that time, never made any money. And uh, it was really a, uh, a, a kind of a. They just a clear signal in 1997, after the uh, uh, teams after excuse me after the movie Air Force One comes out, which they were heavily invested in and produced, uh, sent they thought saw a path to being in in movies and entertainment rather than being in the sports entertainment business, and they put the uh, color the Denver Nuggets up for sale in 1997. And you could argue the from 1997 to 2003, 2000, when they were bought by uh, Stan Kroenke, was the worst period of of their of the Nuggets' history. Um, seasons where they won 11 games, 14 games, and 35 games, um, and then they ended up winning 40 in uh, 2000. And then falling back and winning 27 the following year, the Stan's first full year owning the Denver Nuggets. The team uh, was listless, floundering, went through four different owners. One owner very nearly bought the team and was uh, rejected by the Ascent shareholders. Another owner wouldn't commit to keeping the Denver Nuggets in. Actually, two owners wouldn't commit to keeping the Denver Nuggets in Denver, and it was a it was a bad time. And there was no one really minding the store other than Dan Issel, who was obviously had his issues with with running the team, and uh, it was manifested on the court. The the the, the court. The, the Nuggets at that time, due to directly due to how bad their ownership was, um, were listless, had directionless, and really in danger of uh, being viable in the Denver market. That's how bad they were. And this was di- uh, directly because of ownership. Now, Stan Kroenke bought the team and the Avalanche and Pepsi Center in July of 2000. Um, obviously, as you've seen since then, he won, uh, Stanley cup in 2001 and 2022, uh, the 2001 champion, um, uh, Stanley cup 
is uh, can't really be credited to him because uh, I doubt even Stan knew anything about hockey. <laughs> and if you see Stan Drunky back in 2001 accepting this, he was like, he, he looked lost. And, you know, you could say he looked a little lost when the Nuggets won, but that's a different story. Um, and then uh, they just kind of, there was this fallow period, but the Nuggets had got by this time, they got Carmelo Anthony and things stabilized on the Nuggets side. And a lot of that had to do with just good ownership who, who dedicated what he needed to dedicate to the team. Um, and that's stable ownership and an ownership that at least wanted to have a direction with the team, which is something they had lacked the, basically the previous thir 13, 14 years up to that point. They really didn't have a direction, didn't have something behind them with a path. And it had everything to do with their ownership. Ownership was um, key to getting them in a different place. And quite frankly, it's, it's, if you've learned anything from the times that you've listened to me about uh, the Denver Nuggets the last, um, oh, I don't know, how long, how long have I been doing this podcast? 12 years? Um, you'll know that um, the Nuggets' ownership history in general is pretty terrible up until Stan Kroenke buying the team. We all have complaints about the Kroenke's directions and what's going on with altitude and all that stuff, but you can't argue with the track record. And um, prior to that, you had the Nuggets being owned in, in the late 70s into the early 80s owned by a consortium, which was essentially just a bunch of Carl Shear's buddies, and they ran out of money and were very serious uh, uh very seriously were almost contracted by David Stern, who cared basically nothing for uh, base, uh, basketball in Denver. The Nuggets then were studied by Red McCombs, and one of their best periods in basketball was the time they were owned by Red McCombs. Um, and then that continued a bit when Sidney Schlenker bought the team. And in fact, they're big, they're up until 1990, excuse me, up until 2009. Their, uh, in 2013, their biggest amount of wins in the NBA was 1988, which was 54. And then the, the sale happened and everything went downhill aside from two brief years in the mid nineties, everything went downhill for the Denver Nuggets and it became really bad and it got worse when you had ownership that just didn't give a shit. And that really affected the team. It affected everything about the team. And I think it really was a, uh, a an edifying moment. And you've seen it, on, on, you know, I'm going to mention the Broncos here. You saw it with the Broncos. Between Joe Ellis and whoever this trust was that was owning the team, uh, from basically, you know, 2013 when... Uh, Pat Boland gave up his ownership and let's face it he was only there in body for a long time before that um to 2022 when they were sold to the Walton Penner group you uh you, you saw a rudderless listless bad operation with no guiding light and that is the same thing that happened to the Denver Nuggets a rudderless aimless lack of of there was no soul to it 
and the they were the Broncos were being run by by Joe Ellis, who was having a feud with members of the Boland family. And when stuff gets to that point, you're in a bad, bad spot. And the Nuggets throughout the 90s were just, just they had nothing pointing them a certain direction. There was, there was always something blocking them. And everything came back to how they were owned, what they were owned, what, who was guiding the ship. Um, by the time you get to 1995, 96, and 97, Bernie Bickerstaff had completely lost it. And uh, as, if you listen to Jalen Rose, Jalen Rose was saying that Bickerstaff was just basically unloading assets. Um, and because he knew he was out the door, and you eventually get to what happened in 97, in 98, which uh, Nuggets fielded an 11-win team that probably should have only won about five games that year. That's how bad that team was. All of this was stemming from a ownership group that by that time had no interest in the team to the point where they were selling it off. Like almost, You could almost look at it as a fire sale with the Denver Nuggets at that point, um, even though they made more money, even at that sorry state, than National Hockey League due to the economic models that both leagues employed at the time. So the Nuggets really, and you could say this with almost 100% certainty, would not be where they are right now without Stan Kroenke buying the team and like at least at the, at the very least giving them Stan and Josh Kroenke, um, giving them a guiding light giving them at least something they could count on with stability. And sometimes stability is a bad thing. And sometimes you get an owner who is in over his head, doesn't know what he's doing, and um, kind of refuses to listen to other people. Sometimes that's worse. And you can't really draw a comparison, a direct one-for-one comparison to uh, Charlie and Dick Monfort. But what you can do is talk about how a lack of cohesive direction and and, uh, things like that can result in what you saw with the Denver Nuggets from 1989 to 2003. It manifested itself in such a way. In the second half of the podcast, I'm going to talk to you about the Colorado Rockies and how Charlie and Dick Monfort were never supposed to be Baseball owners. They were accidental baseball owners. And if there ever was, there was a, an example of failing upwards, you cannot get a better example than Charlie and Dick Monfort. But first, I want to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazie in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block, they are always online at bfwcolorado.com. Reds, whites, Rieslings, Gewurstaminer. Uh, if you want to go to your Fort Collins location, they got one there. If you want to go to Denver, they got one there. They got also got a location at Sonoma County, California. But they really are a local Colorado business. You know, a lot of the wines that they sell are directly from partnerships with, with wineries all around the state of Colorado. Colorado's wine business is getting, is improving. It's getting better. And uh, if you're going to, you know, with partnerships from Palisade wineries to Elk Mountain wineries to even out here on the Western Slope. 
go to their uh, Dairy Block location just for the vibe. That's what kind of what I do. It's a, just a nice place to hang out. <laughs> uh, the Dairy Block is really cool. Um, but if you want to go to the Fort Collins location, their location up there is really good. Um, this really is one of the best places in Colorado. If you're going to go in, I prefer Reds. Check out the 2018 Cabernet um, or maybe the Merlot. I'm not a big Merlot fan. Um, but if you're into whites, try the Riesling or try the Gewürztraminer or, or, or try the Rosé. I mean, all of those are very good. Once again, located be, they are located between uh, 18th and 19th and Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwcolorado.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you. Charlie and Dick Monfort were never supposed to be baseball owners. And if it wasn't for uh, the the uh, Colorado Rockies principal owner in, uh, two, in 1992 uh, getting charged with embezzlement, um, they never would have been owners. The Charlie and Dick Monfort, and very specifically Charlie Monfort, um, are credited with saving financially at least, what was the pre-expansion Colorado Rockies. You need to credit them for coming in and throwing in $10 million to fill part of the $20 million gap in the expansion fee that Mickey Monas had uh, uh, left when he was no longer able to, you know, be a viable owner. And Orrin Benton also came in, helped out. Uh, Jerry McMorris increased his stake. He was part of the original uh, Colorado Rockies ownership group. Really, the person you need to credit is Jerry McMorris, who hustled his ass off in order to save baseball in Colorado. Baseball would not exist without Jerry McMorris. And he was a guy who was just a limited partner with uh, with Mickey Monas. And he, what he did with saving that is crucial. Specifically, notice I didn't mention Dick Monfort. Charlie Monfort was always the one who was the guy who wanted to do this. Uh, Dick was a later part of this, but it was Charlie Monfort who made the investment through Monfort Meats. Um, and if it wasn't for... Uh, Mickey Monas getting into trouble, none of that would have happened. Charlie and Dick Monfort never had an eye on ever owning a professional sports team. This wasn't part of their life. If this didn't, if Mickey Monas's issues didn't happen, they would still be up there huffing in the foul air around their meat packing plants. You know, this is, this is not part of, of there is an alternate timeline in some sort of universe where Mickey Monas doesn't have, doesn't get sent up for embezzlement and uh, uh, keeps the team uh, and the things roll around smoothly. Um, the interesting thing is Jerry McMorris was the principal owner. Um, and he really, as I said before, he saved baseball in Colorado. Jerry McMorris uh, was the guiding light. It's particularly of the 93 to 2003 Rockies. Um, he and uh, Bob Gebhardt uh, 
really steered the ship, along with Don Baylor, who was the manager up until 1998. Um, and that, of course, Rockies breaking attendance records in 93 and 94, up until the strike happened. And then 95, um, getting a, uh, in a shortened season, uh, getting their first ever appearance um, in the playoffs, becoming the first of the two expansion teams. The other one was the Florida Marlins. Um to make it to the playoffs. The, you could argue that uh, the uh, more successful team was the Florida Marlins. By the time you get to 1998, the the effects of Coors Field started really manifesting themselves and the constant shuffling of pitching staffs and all this stuff was starting to be fatiguing. Don Baylor gets fired in 1998 uh, Jim Leland, uh, Jerry McMorris, and Bob Gethart, uh bring on, and uh, it didn't work spectacularly. Jim Leland basically checked out on the team. Um, anyone who was around watching the uh, Colorado Rockies at the time remembers the Leland era and how terrible it was and how he just basically didn't want to coach in Colorado. Um, never seen someone check out so quick in my life. Um and then they kind of righted the ship a little by the time you get to the year 2000. And um, by 1999, Jeremy McMorris, uh, his trucking business, which he used to obviously acquire his wealth, went uh, bankrupt. And he began smell, selling, smelling, selling off small pieces of, of the Colorado Rockies uh, to obviously pay for certain things. And he sold them to specifically to Dick and Charlie Monfort. And by this time, Dick had come on board as a, as a partner. And by that time, uh, the Monforts had owned about roughly 40% of the Colorado Rockies. Jerry McMorris was still the chief executive and he made the decisions. He's the one that wasn't Dick and Charlie Monfort who made the decision on, uh, um, De uh, Mike Hampton and Denny Nagel. That was that was Jerry McMorris and Dan O'Dowd, who he hired in '99. Um, it wasn't him. <laughs> they, they, and Dick Monfort was still in the background. This was a Charlie Monfort thing. Charlie Monfort was always the guy out front. Charlie Monfort was the one who was enthusiastic about baseball. Dick Monfort was the guy in the background, the, the more soft spoken guy, but not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe either guy as knowledgeable about baseball, even to this day. Um, but they, in 2001, they have to give, they, they gave those contracts to Nagel and Hampton. They're a spectacular disaster. The Monforts begin flexing their muscles, very specifically Charlie Monfort. And he starts stripping away power from Jerry McMorris, who, despite being the the managing partner, was losing pieces of the organization and primarily to Charlie Montfort. And by the time you get to 2004, um, Jerry McMorris was basically neutralized. And by 2005, he had completely sold his shares to Dick and Charlie Montfort. So by the time you get to 2005, 
Dick and Charlie Mumford are majority owners of the uh, of the Colorado Rockies. I think at this point they own roughly fifty something percent. I think, um, and they and they're that they're 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 this really begins the weirdness. Now they've had success, and I hate crediting them because two years after this, after McMorris completely sells his shares. Two years after that, they go on that miracle run in 2007, October. And I hate crediting them with that because that was the fluke of all flukes. There's the biggest, the biggest, I, I, I mean, it was wonderful. I loved it. It was great. It was great to watch. It was just fantastic theater. Um, and it, it just, it, it was fun. But it was extremely fluky. That's not something winning twenty one of twenty two games uh, is is almost unheard of in the base in baseball. In order to be able to to do that sort of thing, because that was a floundering team that was right around five hundred until they went on that run. Um, they end up going to the World Series and losing to the Boston uh, Red Sox. So by the time you get to two thousand nine. Um, Jim Tracy's still the manager, um, had become the manager by this point, replacing Clint Hurdle. And that is probably the, the one true playoff run because it was, it came after the Dan O'Dowd trade to get Carlos Gonzalez, Troy, Troy, Troy uh, Todd Elton's still on the scene. And then they make it to the playoffs and lose to the Philadelphia, um, what are they called? Philadelphia. There's the Sixers. There's what's happened to my brain. Anyway, to, they're losing to Philadelphia, and you uh, you get to you get to this period post two thousand nine, where moves were made, but it was it's. You could begin seeing, particularly after Kelly McGregor passed away, who is the one who replaced uh, Dick Monfort, not Dick Monfort, he's the one who replaced uh, Jerry McMorris as the uh, team president in 2003, and, or 2001, or right around there. And right, right around that time, he, he, he's the one, one who be, took over base, uh, baseball management. He passes away, Dick Monfort installs himself as team president, and you begin to see decisions made that were not only perplexing, but they were very obviously made by someone who is a is a baseball not non expert. Dick Monfort taking over the Colorado Rockies in the way he did also coincide with Charlie Mumford and self-destructing spectacularly um, due to several instances of public drunkenness, who, by the way, he's still a, a partner in within the uh, Colorado Rockies. He just is not the managing partner like his brother Dick. So Dick taking over is really a result of several different accidents, uh, things that would not have happened in alternate universes. Jerry McMorris's trucking company having difficulty. Um, his brother being a complete shit show. Um, Dick Monford being the, the managing owner of the 
of the Colorado Rockies is a result of a series of events that, that are almost stupid. Now you can see in the, the structure of the Colorado Rockies, how he started to install his family members. Folks, the Colorado Rockies lost 25 to one Saturday night in one of the most embarrassing things I have ever witnessed. Um, it was, it, it was, if you, if you would have told some, um, you know, Jeff in 1993 that the Colorado Rockies would not only never win their division, um, not only would, uh, uh, only could be in the playoffs five times in 30 years. Um, and one of those times was just a play in game. Um, not only that, but you would also see Dick Monfort running the team as if he was blindfolded. The problem I'm going to confront everyone with is as much as Dick Monfort has consistently failed upwards, there's nothing successful you can point at out that are that's baseball related that you can point to. Up to and including um, giving Nolan Arenado a spectacular contract, a large one, and then immediately regretting it, and then immediately trading him, and then paying the St. Louis Cardinals a large sum of money in order to take that contract. Right? There are there are um, there's a litany of things that have gone on as a result of Dick Monfort. And I don't, I don't know what to tell you people because I don't see Dick selling the team. If there's, if, if he has no reason to, he's got his association with McGregor Square. Uh, he, he is tied financially to the Colorado Rockies. His primary business is the Colorado Rockies. As long as you have someone like that who doesn't necessarily want, you know, he's not necessarily going to see a windfall because you never know on these things. You have to wait for scandal to take them down. And, and, and Dick Monfort's too much of a square, as evidenced by the almost asinine players got to uh, be Christian um, in order to play in the locker room, which I, I don't think they have that policy anymore. Thank God. Um, but there is just, there's nothing that you're going to get from him. He is, there's, he's not Mickey Monas, you know, Dick Monfort is a square, but he has squared himself into mediocrity. Dick Monfort is the, uh, who takes over for his brother, who wasn't much better, by the way. I don't, I wouldn't actually wouldn't qualify Charlie Monfort as better. Charlie um, is thankfully not part of the management uh, structure anymore, but he is probably still the person who owns the, the most, the biggest stake in the Rockies. Um, there is just no reason for Dick Monfort, who has failed upwards, to not continue failing upwards. And this, this Rockies team is listless. They've gone through O'Dow to Breidich to this new guy. Their direction is one of loyalty. Their direction is one of, I, I, I can't even tell you there. Maybe it's not even a direction. And this lack of direction is killing 
fan, the fans enthusiasm. I would describe the fans right now as embarrassed, uh, apathetically embarrassed of this team. And it's a bad place to be in this. The, the, the Rockies will always get people in Coors Field, but it's going to be at a less and less and less clip. They'll get fans from out because Denver's a transient city. You're going to get fans from out of town. And that's what Dick Monfort's going to point to. But that's an illusion. And something's got to give eventually. And you had even the governor of Colorado tweeting about that embarrassing loss against the Angels. It, 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 something's got to give. But you don't know. We don't. I don't know what is going to happen. You, we have to count on Dick Monfort suddenly getting it and understanding that he can't do things a certain way. And I don't want to hear anything about a salary cap. The Kansas City fucking Royals won about six years ago, okay? Let's don't want to hear a damn word about the salary cap. This is on the Colorado Rockies, and it's on specifically Dick Monfort. And his lack of ability to hold himself accountable and his lack of ability to give the Colorado Rockies the direction is extremely depressing. Uh, and if you look at back into th- 1993, 94, 95, these glory years of baseball enthusiasm, it seems like a million years ago. And that's really sad. All right, thank you all for joining me on the latest uh, Morecast. I'm going to be back uh, on Wednesday with another episode. Goodbye. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.